greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. I'm your host and Bible teacher, Keith McKenzie. Actually, uh, we will be doing this Prophecy 101 series here, which is out of our older uh, prophecy trainings. Welcome to another edition of the Prophecy Train. Ed uh, Stokowski can't be with us here at the taping at this time, so we just want to say hi, Ed. And uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to take advantage of this time to uh, get into a, a little project I've been working on. We know we got a lot of new viewers out there, so what we want to do is we just want to kind of give you an overall spread of prophecy in general, kind of the who, what, where, when, why of uh, prophecy. So uh, it might take us a few shows to get through this, but uh, if you just uh, stick with us, we hope you'll get a good basic uh, foundation of where we're going to go with uh, some of this teaching. Uh, and I have an object lesson that I'd like to have for us today. Uh, we have in front of us, I have our Bible. And uh, for a lot of people, new people and stuff, you've read your Bible, so, uh, I, I just can't understand it. it. It seems to be too difficult for me. Um, I just don't understand it. Well, God has structured His Word in such a way that it requires diligence uh, to put it together. Uh, there's a lot of history. It's got a lot of prophecy. It's got a lot of instruction and instruction in it. And uh, well, I thought a, a good example to show everybody at home here is uh, you know, everybody's probably had a puzzle that they've put together at one time. So a puzzle is when you have your puzzle on a rainy day, you're down to Cape Cod like I've done on occasions, and you just dump out your puzzle, and what you have is a mess. It's in disorder. What it's going to take, it's going to take some time, okay, and it's going to take some diligence on our behalf to go through this and put this together. So much that way with Bible study, what we're going to do is we're going to just find some structure. And as we do with puzzles, what we do is we just start going through the puzzle. We spread it out, right? And then we find one of the corner pieces. These are the cornerstones. Now, for a Bible teacher and a Christian in general, our chief cornerstone is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So everything that we do is built off of that corner. And so any teaching or any instruction that's given needs to be built off that. So we're just going to go ahead. i got a lot of scriptures I'd like to get through. So we're just going to go ahead and hit this thing running and see how far we get. But I hope you're blessed in this study. Let's just make a little room here. All right. We're going to start right off in Hebrews 11. All right. Let's just kind of call this show uh, this segment for the next couple of weeks. We're going to call it Prophecy 101. So if you're, if you're an avid prophecy student already, I hope you'll bear with me. We have some new viewership. So what we're trying to do is just lay that foundation. 
but uh, in Hebrews, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony, and by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are were not seen made of things which are visible. And then it goes through, and down in verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So much like our puzzle, uh, God is saying, if, if you're diligent in your study, and, and you spend time, and, and most of you to be like, a, a Berean of Acts 17:11 that that actually you we want you to receive what we have to say, but we also want you to check it out, like that it says in uh, Acts chapter 17, uh, verse 11. Uh, I like to call it be a, be a Berean, and it says these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, the Bereans, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. The Apostle Paul was out preaching and teaching uh, that the Old Testament prophets, the prophecies concerning the Messiah that was to come, uh, Paul would go into their synagogues every weekend, as his custom was, and he'd reason uh, from the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, that Jesus was the Christ. And so what we want to do is we just want to reason with the scriptures here much like the Bereans, and we just want to go ahead and we want to lay that foundation for uh, why prophecy is important and why to teach it. And um, we're just going to skip over to Romans chapter 10. So we're going to kind of we're going to we're going to cover some ground tonight. I hope, uh, scripturally speaking, uh, it says in Romans uh, chapter 17. It says, "But they have not all believed the gospel." For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So what I want to do is I, I want to encourage you in, in, in putting, see, we've already got a few pieces to the puzzle here. We're talking about faith. We're talking about being diligent in studying your Bible. That's what we hope to encourage you to do. We want you to pick up your Bible. We want you to follow along. We want you to get some understanding of the days and the times which we live in. Uh, a lot of people are in despair. They have a fatalistic attitude, and, and they just see things uh, morally, economically, and worldwide just seem to be coming unraveled. And uh, God hasn't left us without a plan. Those who love the Lord uh, and, and look to his word and see the scriptures for what they are, they bring encouragement. Now, our team here at the Prophecy Train, what we want to do is we want to show you that even though there's going to be wars of rumors of wars, famine, pestilence, earthquakes in various places, we don't, we don't want you to be troubled by these things. Jesus said these things need be. And he even uh, instructs us believers. He says, don't be terrified by these things. But what he's doing is he's telling his friends what's coming. And now, by knowing what's coming, and that's prophecy, we can have comfort in knowing that everything that he said will come to pass. Just like everything that he said in the past has happened with 100% accuracy, and that's the way the Bible uh, sets its own standard, 
100% accurate. Now, let's just go and find out why, why prophecy is important. We're just going to go over to uh, Isaiah chapter 40 uh, through 49. Um, theologians call this the trial of the false gods. This is the only place that I'm aware of where God actually makes a defense for himself for who he is. All right. In, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 18, it says, To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image, the goldsmith overspreads it with gold, the silversmith casts silver chains. And it just goes on and, and through, through this, and we're just going to pick up a few things and highlight them here, going through here. I encourage you to, on your own, read these chapters, Isaiah chapters 40 through 49, and just keep this in mind as God is uh, presenting his case for who he is, how is it that he establishes who he says he is? If he's the creator, and he is, how does he then communicate that he is who he says he is? Now, there's a lot of competition out there for who wants to be God. We have many false religions, false belief systems, and what we want to do is we want to be able to see what is clear about what teachings are from God and what's not from God. Verse 25 says, To whom then will you liken me, or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Verse 28 says, Have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator from the ends of the earth? neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Now over in, verse, in chapter 41, it continues in verse 4, 41, 4. Who has performed and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I am the Lord, I am the first, and with the last, I am He. Now that sounds familiar to our New Testament ears. That's what the Lord calls himself in the book of Revelation. So as we continue to tour through here, through the book of Isaiah, it's God begins to show us here in, in 41 verse 21, he says, present your case, says the Lord. This is God speaking to the, to the false gods and the false religious and belief systems. And God says, this is the litmus test that establishes who the true God is. He says, Present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring forth and show us what will happen. Hmm. That would be a tough one. The National Enquirer tries every year, and they fail miserably. Nostradamus, a pretender. Let them show you from the former things what they were, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them or declare to us things to come, show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that you are God's. Yes, you do good or evil, that we may be dismayed and seated together. Indeed, you are nothing, and your work is nothing. That's some pretty strong words, but what God is doing is he's establishing that it is prophecy by his determination that he, how God validates who he says he is. So that's why studying the Bible is important, and that's why 
prophecy itself is important. Some scholars have estimated that the Bible is up to 30% prophecy. Uh, for those people who don't, might read your Bible and you don't consider prophecy, that's an awful lot. And I think 30% is probably a conservative estimate. But even at that, that's an awful lot of your Bible. If you imagine 30% of this, one-third of your Bible is prophetic. Now, there's a lot of prophetic events on the horizon. He says in 43, verse uh, 9, the latter part of that, it says, Or let them hear and say, It is truth. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he, God. Okay? Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Now God's making a, a case here. He says, there's no other God beside me. There was none before me. There's not going to be any after me. And there's no other Savior. This is also, for those who, who are, are not understanding about the Trinity, this is a statement about the Trinity also. These are one of the, the proof texts for the Trinity, but that's not uh, a topic for discussion today. Now let's just go ahead and keep taking our little tour through here, uh, through Isaiah. It says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, besides me there is no God. Now that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And a little further down in Ace, it says, you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. Not even one. But at that, what we're going to do is at this point in the program, we're just going to go ahead and take a short break, and we'll be right back after this quick message. Stick with us. We'll see you on the other side. want to take this opportunity to uh, just give uh, you, you new viewers, uh, if you're not sure where to find a lot of prophecy in the book and uh, you want to find out if it's relevant, uh, what we want to do is we just want to offer to you, uh, just for getting in touch with us uh, through our website, uh, we want to offer this little booklet that we have called 101 Last Days Prophecies. We find this to be uh, probably the most excellent resource we found out there. It's put out by Eternal Productions. And uh, we just want to bless you with that. So just get in touch with us. We'll put this in your hands, and uh, you'll be off and running. And just pick up your Bible. God bless. All right. Well, thanks for coming back and seeing us here on the Prophecy Train. Um, we're still having our little tour through the book of Isaiah. We're going through uh, Isaiah chapters 40 through 49. Uh, what some scholars call the trial of the false gods. What we're trying to do here is just establish that God is who he says he is by validating himself and God picks the litmus test for who he says he is and that's what we call prophecy. So prophecy is important to study. So let's go ahead and see what we have. Uh, and probably the last thing we're going to pick up here in Isaiah before we move on is in Isaiah chapter 46, uh, verse 5. I'm going to pick it up. 
And it says, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? The lavish gold out of a bag, the way silver on the scales to hire a goldsmith, and he makes it a god. They prostrate themselves, and yes, they worship. Have you ever seen anybody worship an, an idol, whether it's, it's made of wood or, or you know, something like a, a rabbit's foot or a statue? Uh, people prostrating them things, uh, they're, they're, they're worshiping a creation of man's hands instead of worshiping the creator. They worship the creation instead of the creator. And Romans uh, chapter 1 discusses that. You can look that up on your own. But uh, working along, verse 7, says they bear it on the shoulder and they carry it and set it in its place and it stands. This is people carrying their God. They're going to worship this, but they're doing all the work for it. And they set it in its place and it stands. From its place it shall not move. You ever see a statue or anything like that move? No, I haven't either. Though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer, nor save him out of his trouble. And you'll see people, they burn candles to, to images. And all through the Old Testament, you see all these warnings the Lord has not to worship these images in the high places and burning incense to false gods. This is a strong, and, and God is jealous. He is jealous for us um, like a husband is for his wife. And he doesn't want to see uh, people going after false gods. It's, uh, the Lord considers that adultery, spiritual adultery. And so he says, remember this and show yourselves men, in verse 8. Recall to mind, O you transgressors, remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that are not yet done. Uh, I, I hope I was able to lay some foundation there that God is, is hammering away his case here and he's saying there's no other God besides me and, and the way that he proves it, he says, tell me what's coming. There is no, nothing outside of, of the Bible that shows um, prophecy, predictive prophecy, you know, that establishes who God says he is. In 2 Peter, there's a, a nice admonition here for us to take a look at. In 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we were made known unto you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now that was Peter and, and uh, John, they were with the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration. They actually saw him transfigured. They saw this. It says they were eyewitnesses. And in verse 17, it says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice from him, from excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount, and we have a more sure word of prophecy. Now, Peter says here, even though I saw that with my eyes, he says prophecy is more sure than what he even saw with his own eyes. 
So we need to keep looking here. It says, whereunto you do well and you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arises in your heart. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but by holy men as they were as God spoke, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now that's awesome. Just think about that. God is, is using men to translate his message to people. Not, not like, um, you know, like a Disney character in, uh, you know, uh, That's So Raven where they have visions and stuff like that for their own personal gain. Uh, no, this is... For, not for private interpretation. This is God's will, and he's showing us things that are coming because we're his friends. And, and what he does is he loves us, and he wants us to understand what's coming. He doesn't leave us in the dark. But what it does take is it's going to take some time in your part to sort through the puzzle and, and, and just ask God's Spirit to help you understand his word. And, and you'll really find it rewarding and prophecy in general. In Revelation 19.10, it says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So it's very important. And, and on, in uh, Luke um, chapter 24, the, after the resurrection, the Lord himself uh, comes alongside of two disciples. They're walking down this road to Emmaus, and uh, he asks them, uh, you know, why do you look so down? And what they do is uh, they look at him and they say, well, where have you been? Haven't you heard? And they kind of recount the story of what just happened to the Lord himself. And they don't even recognize him at first. And so what they do is they recount the story. And then at the end of that, the Lord rebukes them. And, and, and this is what he says. And he says, in verse 25, Luke 24, he says, Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? That was his plan from the beginning. God's plan from the very beginning was to suffer, die, and be buried according to the Father's will. It actually, the Bible actually says it pleased the Lord to bruise him, the Christ, our Lord and Savior. Because by his stripes and by his blood are we saved. And we have faith through that for those of us who have fellowship with the Father. And then it says in verse 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them in all the scriptures concerning himself. <laughs> now I wish I was along for that Bible study. A seven-mile Bible study, but we don't have any tapes or CDs on that today. But I, if I did, I, I would probably watch it over and over. Um, but where's it all going? Where's it all going? If, if this is part of God's plan and God is expounding it to him and he's used his servants, the prophets, to say these things of his first coming, his first coming, there's also a second coming, the return of Jesus Christ. He's coming back for his church. And, and there's all kinds of Old Testament stories that are shadows and types that are, that are prophecy in and of themselves. 
you know, the, the wandering of, of Israel through the desert and the crossing through the Red Sea. These, these are historical events, but they also have prophetic implications. They're types and shadows. You have types and shadows of people. Moses, you, uh, that's a type of Christ. King David is a type of Christ. You know, Joshua is a type of Christ. There's, there's these characters all the way through the Bible that have shadows of their personalities uh, of, of who Jesus was going to be. And, and I, I've heard some teachers say that, that Christ can be found on every page of the Bible. And if you just look and you know what to look for, he's there in types and shadows. And usually if you have a problem understanding a particular reference in Scripture where you think maybe that the, well, I don't know, that sounds like a contradiction. If you take Jesus and put Jesus in the middle of that situation, usually that contradiction will go away. And usually it's our misunderstanding and just not having enough of the facts before we make that kind of judgment. But what you should do is just circle that if you're reading, write it down, take it to the Lord in prayer, and then see, and, and God's faithful, he will begin to show you what it is. So right here in Hebrews, just talking about those shadow, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these th same sacrifices which they offered continually year by year, those who those approach make them perfect. So Christ's death fulfills the will of God. In verse 5 it says, Therefore he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offering and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your God, O oh, the will of God. Now, with that, we're, we're, we're running out of time here in, in this particular segment, but where are you with the Lord? If, if studying prophecy has is, is, is stimulated your, your heart and, and you're, you're feeling a little tug on the inside. That's God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is, is a gift. And what he wants to do is he wants to draw you unto himself. He wants to enter into a relationship with you. And to get into that relationship, you need to confess that you're a sinner, and we all are. Everyone who's a Christian has already made their confession. We turn away. We repent. That means to turn away from the sins in our life, all right? And by God's grace and by his spirit, what he'll do is he'll allow you the grace to be able to do that, to turn away from those things that you don't think you can, and over time, God's Holy Spirit will begin to just draw you closer and closer unto himself. So repeat this prayer with me. If you feel the heart, you know, tug, and you feel like the Lord is calling you, into a relationship with him, just repeat this prayer. Lord, I am a sinner. I am sorry for my sins, and I know that I've grieved you. I've broken your commandments, and now I need you to come into my heart and give me life, 
eternal life. Lord Jesus, help me to live a life well-pleasing unto you that I might know you and worship you in spirit and truth. That's what God wants for you. Come into a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've said that and you've asked the Lord into your heart, he will come in, he will do the work. And now you have the gift of eternal life. Take that and start the style of your Bible, and we'll see you next week. God bless. That was part one out of our uh, the older Prophecy Train archives with uh, the work we did with Ed Stokowski. Um, that was part one of four. We hope that you enjoyed that. The uh, next three installments will be continuing. If you want to see these, you can uh, check us out, and you can get these on our website, www.amos.com and the numbers 37.com. My name's Keith McKenzie. This is Winds of Change. We hope you are blessed.